going on? Straight Talk Faithful, your host, your boy, George Mackay, back in studio again, pre-recorded, actually running through at least my sixth or seventh day of this, uh, you know, work from home, semi-quarantine of everything going on in the world with uh, the uh, COVID-19 virus. But uh, we're not going to talk about that today. We're going to have some fun. And on my show today, I have none other than James Runyon, a.k.a. Mr. Marvelous. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. I'm in full quarantine, but we are making the best of it. We are making the best of it. Uh, do you have all the toilet paper you need? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. Everybody's uh, scrambling about toilet paper. I'm more concerned about, like, stocking up on food and things like that. And it's like, if I run out of toilet paper, I'll just take a shower or something like that. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> right. I said the same thing. I've been telling everybody the same thing. I'm like, if you run out of toilet paper, you got to shower. All the big companies have said they're not going to turn off power or water during this time period. So you're pretty much good to go. Right, right. But enough about everything that's going on. We're trying to make the best of it. And the best way for us to do that, at least for you and I to do that anyways, is to talk the sport that we love so much, which would be wrestling. So the first question I always ask is kind of my standard go-to question is, uh, I call it the defining moment. It's that moment you yourself fell in love with wrestling. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny because, like, I've, I've been asked this question before, and, like, the thing is, like, I really don't have that kind of moment. I've always just kind of watched wrestling. Like, I can uh, – the, the earliest memory that I have of wrestling, and I, and I know this because I can, I can date it, is that I remember having – a vested interest in WrestleMania 12 with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. And I remember going into that and like uh, wanting to see what was going to happen and who was going to win and, and following it from there. So that was like, that was probably like 95, right? 96. So like, at least before that I was a wrestling fan, but like, as far as like my first memory where I found wrestling, I don't, I don't remember it. <laughs> so Yeah. Oh, that's a great match. I mean, if we're talking WrestleMania matches, uh, I don't know if you've ever listened to the show, but I always bring this match up because it is literally one of my top five all-time favorites. Sometimes it's number one. Yeah. Sometimes it's number five, given the uh, the day. But WrestleMania 10, I mean, brother versus brother, Owen versus Brett. The story that was told in that match, I mean, you can't compare it. That's a match that if I was a wrestling coach, my first lesson yeah. would be to put kids in front of the TV and be like, you got to watch this match. Watch yeah. this match, understand the story. And then we can get started training. You know what I mean? I, I was I was a huge Bret Hart fan growing up, and um, there's there's tons of Bret Hart matches that you could put on and just just study it. You know, like because every everything he did was was amazing, just it was well put together. Um, and even that WrestleMania 12 match, I've gone back and watched it like now as a wrestler, and even I just appreciate it so much more because it's just there was so much depth that match of the the thought they put into it and um yeah it's it's really it's really in a lot of ways just like oh it's a work of art right like it's just it's two it's two artists that went in and just painted a picture on a canvas you know what i mean i do and, and that's the point yeah. that a lot of people i think misplaced in the wrestling business they look at it as what vince mcmahon calls it which is you know entertainment yes there is a huge entertainment aspect to it but when you get two artists as you mentioned in a ring or four artists or six artists or sometimes depending on the match i.e a royal rumble you could have 10 to 12 artists it's those spots those moments that you remember it's, from the matches yeah. that, it's, that it's move telling the story stories forward. yes telling stories that's 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 what everything that is involved with professional wrestling, it's telling stories. And it, it, it always has been every, like you always, you never remember 
the specific moves or things like that. You remember the moments, you know, like you remember when Rock and Hogan stood across from each other in the ring at WrestleMania. You remember, you know, like even like, you know, Brett and Owen, you remember it with brother versus brother. You don't remember specific parts from the match. You might remember like things you thought were cool, but like you don't remember, you know, the how they did this move or something like that. It's 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 the stories oh, yeah. and the moments that stick with you. You know? Absolutely. And and speaking of stories and moments, let's get a little bit into your story. So um sure. you, you you know you you were always a fan. You really remember falling in love with wrestling, that WrestleMania 12 match, and then it progressed from there. Uh when did you start training and who did you start training with? Were you always at battle arts or did you kind of maneuver into yeah. battle arts so, after? Yeah, so um, why I kind of I guess like my story kind of starts um, growing up. I, I was really into football, and um, I played all through high school, and I actually ended up playing at, uh, at McMaster University. So like I've been involved with sports and athletics my entire life. Um, but then like like I said, like I've watched wrestling since I was a kid, and you know, kind of growing up, you go through phases and things like that. So I didn't watch wrestling like through my entire childhood, but um, I remember. Um, kind of late high school I got back into it and I always my, my thing was I always wanted to play professional football and um uh when when I knew that I was done playing football I, I was gonna get into wrestling so um what I ended up doing was um when I finished playing I went to uh Lance Storms in uh in Calgary and um and that's that's how I broke in so I started with Lance and I went out there I went out there thinking I was gonna stay out there but then um, just kind of assessing the landscape, I kind of figured like, well, I can probably just go back home and there's the same amount of wrestling opportunities and I'll probably just get a job or whatever. And it'd be easier because I'd be, you know, with my, the people that I know and my network. So um, I came back home and um, I bounced around a couple schools, but uh, I, I went to down to Tom Pritchard's camp at uh, uh, in North Carolina, and Rip Rogers was there, and he was talking about um, uh, Santino School, and I'd I'd heard that uh, Santino Morella had this school in uh, in Mississauga, but in looking at it, it kind of looked like an MMA gym, and I knew that I knew I knew he had a, a shoot background with the judo and stuff, so I kind of thought like, okay, so he's like he's kind of on his way out of WWE, and he's. Uh, he opened up a, an MMA gym. So I was like, that's cool. But then Rip was putting over this wrestling school and I was like, okay. So I went and checked it out and then uh, I went to battle arts and now I've been there for a couple of years now. And how was it? So how's the training dynamic? I'm always interested to see when, when people kind of have a couple of different coaches that were, you know, deep in this business with the amount of experience that they had. Mm -hmm. And you had too. I mean, you had Lance Storm, who's a legend yep. in his own right. We're talking ECW legend. We're talking, yep. you know, eventual Hall of Famer uh, for sure. Even though a lot of people have their missed clouds about the Hall of Fame. Yeah, okay. It's not a building. It doesn't exist. But the people that are in there, it's special. In my mind, the Hall of Fame, in my mind, is pretty damn cool. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, you have a guy like Santino Morella. Started off, you know, a little bit later in his career than most, but made the most out of the time that he had and was very successful. We're talking about first night breaking in on WWE, and he was the Intercontinental Champion. Went on to be a multiple tag team and mm -hmm. U.S. Champion. I mean, there's accolades among accolades above, above both these teachers. So how was the, um, the juxtaposition, if you will, the differences in the training styles with the two guys? Yeah, it's... Um... 
I feel like in a lot of ways we're all kind of like that because we all come from different places and you pick up different things as you go along. It's um, it. I feel like wrestling. Whenever you're wrestling someone, it's always a collaboration of. It's like this is my experience, and then I come together and I wrestle this guy, and this is his experience, and then you you bring your experiences together and you bring up about a match. But um, you know, uh, Lance Lance was was in WWE. Santino was in WWE. Um, a lot of the the uh, the fundamental stuff they're they're the same in terms of you know uh, putting the match together, telling a story, things like that. But then, of course, there's um, there's differences too in terms of like just their specific styles. Um, I know obviously Santino was a comedy wrestler, and Lance was super serious, so it's kind of an interesting dichotomy. But um, yeah, it's um, I, I like I really again I think it's just the the take home point it's just um they're both uh on board with telling stories and that's really that that's really like what any wrestler should strive to do it's always if you're putting a match together it's like okay what is the what is the business that we're trying to get over with this match and how are we going to tell that story to get there you know absolutely and i, I again like like you mentioned earlier in the episode uh wrestling is an art form and people who yeah. don't understand it don't get the business they don't get the there's the entertainment side but there's the business side but there's everything in between and that's the storytelling side it's so vital and so important now in terms of storytelling because like you said one was a comedic wrestler one was uh, very serious what i've noticed in a couple times that i've seen you is you really do walk that fine line and you walk it very well uh the last event we saw each other was on March 14th, right before this whole kind of quarantine and everything dramatically changed within yeah. three or four days. But when I saw you, uh, you came out, my daughter, she's a big fan. Uh, I myself <laughs> as well, I'm a big fan. And you came out and you saw me taking a picture. You stopped, you posed for the picture, then you shunned me away. And I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> same time, Like I said, you walk that thin line and you walk it very well. But then when you get into the ring, you really do handle your business. And I actually want to talk about and doing my research or the best research that I can with a lot of up and coming talent. I mean, you've had some very, very big opportunities very quickly in your career. And mm -hmm. one of them I do want to talk about is when you fought, uh, you went down to Norwich, England. And I think you know exactly where yeah. I'm going with this. Yeah. You went down and you were able to fight uh, the head of the Knight family, a.k.a. Paige's Pops, if you mm -hmm. will. So... Mm -hmm. Talk to me about that experience, man, because, I mean, Norwich, I mean, England is a budding wrestling, um, if you will, it's it's a, it's 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 literally a, a firebed over there of wrestling talent, just like it is here. Ontario has one of the best indie mm -hmm. scenes in the world, and I will fight anybody that says it's not the truth, because it is. But as much as our scene is huge, so is the UK's. The UK scene is very, very big. So if you go yeah. over there and you're fighting, like, in your own right, you're fighting a UK legend. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. Like, talk, to England, me, talk to me about that. England, England is is wicked. Um, I was I was very impressed with the wrestling scene there. Um, just Europe in general. Like there's um, that's that's the, that's the interesting thing is that we get kind of um, we we obviously have a lot of wrestling promotions locally here in Ontario, but at the same time it's like there's a huge world out there, <laughs> and um, we can we get we get uh, a lot of influences from the U.S. but at the same time, like in Europe, Europe is huge. And it's like literally all these different countries. And like, you know, I was in, uh, I was in Netherlands. I was in Belgium. I was in, 
Germany and all the all these places. There's just wrestling promotions everywhere, and it's just it's it's really really cool. But um, England, the, the wrestling in England is is really really good. Um, I mean, obviously that's why uh, coincidentally enough WWE went in and did NXT UK because they were just like the wrestling here is really good, so let's put our name on it and just bring in a bunch of the top talent here. But um, yeah, like um, I I went to um, uh, the Knight family uh, on my way back from Germany, and um, I, I just I literally just went there um, on just random just showed up said hey I'm I'm gonna be in the area and like and um, uh, I trained with them on the Saturday and actually I uh, I bumped into another wrestler I know Madison Miles who. Um, I was reading her Instagram while I was there and I, I saw that she was in Norwich and she actually got me booked on a show on Saturday, DOA. So I worked the show Saturday and then I went back to training on Sunday and the uh, uh, WAW, uh, the Knight family, they wanted to book me on their show on Sunday. So I got two bookings that weekend and I wrestled um, for the Knight family. So very, very cool. Um, and actually, the uh, the plan is I've been talking to to Ricky Knight is I want to go back in the summer, but now we have all this uh, we're in these interesting times, so things are kind of in limbo. But uh, they they do these big summer tours in the in the over the summer, so um, plan is to go back. But um, like here's the thing: if if you if you watched uh, the movie Fighting with My Family, yes, I have. Yeah, so. Um, pretty like I, like I was talking to Ricky and like I was like so like so like how, how much is that how much of the movie is actually true and he's like well, probably about 90 <laughs> percent he's like so um yeah like it's 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 everything that you would imagine it would be um they like they've got like they've got like eight-year-olds and 10-year-olds in the ring and it's just every everything is wrestling it's, it's very very cool place to go to and i'm i'm uh, hopeful i can go back but um um yeah and it it, it was awesome it was awesome just great experience and, and you mentioned that you mentioned about these interesting times and as much as we don't want to talk about them we unfortunately have to talk about them now this episode yeah. will air uh after we this is pre-recorded so i've got a couple more in the can and then yours will drop probably sure. closer to the end of april so we're talking roughly in and around a month from now and the landscape could be very different we could be well out of this uh quarantine if you will and mm -hmm. the curve as they keep calling it could go way down then mm -hmm. at this point, it's just isolating the remaining cases. And hopefully at some point in time, with all this technology we have in the world, the vaccine can be produced. Um, apparently, labs are working 24-7, and the curve is dipping a little bit. But now we're seeing an incline because of all the people coming back from abroad, all the people yeah. traveling. They're coming back into the country now. They've been urged to come home. They have. Now they're under that mandatory, you know, 14-day quarantine. Oh. Myself, I'm going to be a frontline worker. I'm on vacation right now as we record this. But when I go right. back, I'm a, I'm a transport dispatcher for a, a food company. So I right. will be one of the frontline guys trying to get the food out to the stores and all that stuff. But in terms of your line of work, like, mind you, you may have had a full-time job, but really a lot of the bulk and maybe a majority of the income comes from your bookings and your shows. I've mm -hmm. talked to a lot of wrestlers whose names I won't mention because everybody wants to remain private, but I've talked to a sure. lot who says, obviously with the quarantine, their bookings have gone down. Everything's gone down. A lot of them are concerned about the future as to what will happen in, you know, everything could, as we're going by, we're going literally by day to day. And mm -hmm. things could things could change rapidly. Things could get extremely worse, or they could get extremely good once again. 
let's let's go with the latter. Let's hope that everything, you know, calms down in the next couple of weeks and we end up getting back to a little bit of normal and the booking starts coming in. What I know from a lot of wrestlers, especially the young guns, they're hungry. They want to get as much bookings as they want to get in. But also you want to leave a little bit for everybody else. What's your thought about that in terms of taking in all the bookings that you can or kind of spreading the wealth so everybody can get back on their feet? Um, See, my thing is I try to just go to as many different places as I can. Um, That's why I don't I've never really stayed in one specific place um for an extended period of time but um i think it's um obviously uh, experience is um is vital to to getting better as a wrestler um and you know like i come i come from a sport background so like obviously i'm just instinctually competitive so um i think i think in a lot of ways you you want to book the best wrestlers but then at the same time um, if you just book the best wrestlers, you won't have anyone for the future. So you do have to kind of uh, um, pave the way for for new guys that are trying to get in and, and give them opportunities. But um, yeah, I, I think I think really the, the the best thing that that I mean, at least what I follow is I just try to go to different places. And um, so in that sense, I I guess I try to take opportunities um, from that end, but. Um, I don't know. Am I answering your question? <laughs> yeah. You want to spread the wealth around, but you also want to go to different places where you might have not been booked. Try to get booked. Yeah. I'm not, I'm understanding where you're going with it. Yeah. Like, um, I, I think, I think really that's, that's, that's one of the best things you can do is, is go to different places. Cause then, um, when you go to different places, you meet different people and you're, you're always like, we talked about the, uh, um, combining these experiences. It's like, um, when I when I go to somewhere that's completely new and I meet a whole roster of guys that are completely new, all those guys came from different places that maybe maybe or maybe not I haven't been to or things like that. So, um, in that sense, I feel like that's and then and then even like because then I take that experience and then I go somewhere else new and then I bring that experience to there, and it's um, that's why I think I think the best thing then even like because like. I came from Lance Storm and then I go to Santino Morella, right? So it's, um, I think as, as, as many places you can go is the best thing you can do. And then um, it, it should, you should always open opportunities to guys that are hungry, I think. Absolutely. And you, know, yeah. you, mentioned, you mentioned going to many places. So you, you said you wrestled in Belgium, you were in the Netherlands. Yeah. We know you wrestled in England, Norwich there, you were in Germany. Out of all the places that you've been thus far in your career, where would you say was the place where you literally grew, if you will? I like to call him, or I stole him from a close wrestling friend of mine named Holden Albright. Mm-hmm. He called it level up moments. Is there ever been a time period in all those places that you've been where you've soaked up so much knowledge and then you felt yourself grow as a storyteller? Yeah, I'd say, you know, I'd say it's um, probably when I was in Germany. And kind of what happened was... Um, I went to a place and I didn't know anybody. I knew basically I got, I got booked through, um, toss and, um, and most of my conversations had only been through email. So like, um, obviously I was going to run in their ambition tournament and things like that. And I was going to teach at the school, but like, I really didn't know anyone. So I had to go there and, um, basically, 
um, prove my worth as what I am as a, as a wrestler. And I was able to do that. And I was, um, I feel like I got to the point where, um, a lot of the, the, the vets there were looking at me as an equal and they were asked, they were soliciting my opinion on things. And, um, so I feel like at that moment when, when I kind of realized that, like, I've gotten, I've gotten over with a lot of these guys in terms of what my ability is and what my knowledge is. So it was kind of like, it was kind of like that confidence boost where like, I must be doing something right because like, like I said, I showed up somewhere. I've never been here. I didn't know any of these people. And now like they respect me, you know? So really from, from going to Germany and then coming back, I really kind of just gained that confidence and 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 what i can do so i think that's that's it was probably probably then it was probably that that moment where i kind of uh i got that boost and i was like uh it really it really did change me as a performer absolutely yeah i I was able to uh i remember santino one of the shows mentioning how you had you had just you you know you were in germany and how how much you had soaked up the other culture and i remember him take saying telling everyone at the arena that night that at one show i was at to take those opportunities and the fact that he's his school has been able to spread his knowledge and how well known it really is because if you think about it it's a pretty elite school not not saying it's elite that it shut the doors to anybody because anybody can go in santino Mm -hmm. will work and train anybody but it's elite in the fact that it really only has four titles on the, yeah. on the on the whole thing. I mean, you've got your heavyweight champion, currently now John Gonzalez. you got your light heavyweight champion, Sexy Stan Smith. You have your women's battle arts champion, Amy Crimson. And you have your tag team champions, who are former guests of mine, uh, Mike DeRosti and uh, Joe Mack. So, I mean, it's a pretty elite uh, um, promotion for the fact that it only has those four titles. And I've seen you wrestle. Um, my favorite match of yours that I've seen thus far was the one you did with John Gonzalez a couple mm-hmm. shows back in January. Yeah. You guys really told a great story. And um, it was a it was a back and forth. I really didn't know either of you that well. I was just dipping into the Battle Arts roster at that time. Mm-hmm. But seeing how well you two meshed and told stories together, I mean, they can always say the best stories are told when your dance partner across the ring is just as fluid as you. And you guys definitely had some great in-ring chemistry that night. So, I mean, that, in my opinion, is one of your best bodies of work. But going through the matches that you've had, well, you're welcome. It's deserved. Going through the matches that you've had thus far in your career, is there a a match, maybe that one, or another match that sticks out to you as your best body of work to date? Um, You know, I don't really... Like, there's there's matches that I can point to and be like, that match was fun. Um, But I really don't think, like, it's like... I don't really uh, reflect and be like that. That was my best match because I'm always thinking about um, what I'm doing next. Um, and, and definitely, like I think that the match I had with John was was pretty good. Um, but it's, it's always it, you're always working. I, like I, I really kind of just focus on um, the work and the training that I'm doing, and then what I got next. And um, in that sense, like. Like even like uh, I can even say some of, some of the matches I had in Germany were pretty cool. Um, it, it's really it's really just like like my my favorite matches would probably just be matches that like um, something really cool happened. You know what I mean? Where yeah. No, yeah, I, to- I totally get that. I totally understand 
where you're going with that. Is there someone who you haven't faced yet that uh, maybe even in your own Battle Arts roster or maybe in another roster, somebody on the indie scene you've had your eyes on that you want to say, I'd like to get in the ring and tell a story with that person? Yeah. Um, like, I, it would probably, it would probably just be people that mess with my style. I remember when I was in uh, Germany at the World Tag Team Festival, uh, uh, Tim Thatcher fucking beat the shit out of uh, Bobby Guns, and it was it was a brawl. And I was just like, I want to wrestle Tim Thatcher one day because it would be awesome. But um, um, yeah, Tim uh, uh, Davies Boy Smith Jr. would be really cool. Um, really, like like obviously, like my style, I'm I'm really into the grappling and the wrestling. So um, pretty much anyone that that's a that's a grappler or a wrestler i'd love i'd love to get in there and roll with them it's uh that's 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 the wrestling that i like it's like we all have our different tastes and things like that like i like the the like i watched uh i watched true gulak and daniel bryant the last uh, chamber pay-per-view like that that match was wicked um so like pretty pretty if you can if you can name a grappler that's it's probably someone that i would want to get in the ring with well, I mean, this would this was for me. Just you mentioning all these great grapplers, uh, and this one would be. I mean, this one would be a PlayStation match only because this wrestler is no longer here with us, uh, and his uh, passing is shrouded in a lot of mystery. Uh, his passing is shrouded in a lot of investigations of what might have happened that night. But I mean, a dream match for me that I might even do. I might even create myself a James running on PS4 when we're done and <laughs> hit it up. Be. I think this match would be something special. I mean, again, it can only happen on a video game, but you versus Chris Benoit. Oh, <laughs> there'd be a lot of chops, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> there'd be a ton of chops. You know, isn't it, isn't it funny that you, as a wrestling fan and now a wrestler, as a pro wrestler yourself, you go to different shows and you watch people, like you mentioned that gentleman you watch beating the crap out of the other guy. And you sat there and you said, you know, you're watching this guy beat the living hell out of another human being. And the only thing that comes to mind is, I want to get in the ring with this guy. I want to. I want to I fight this guy. Isn't that, that, that's the wrestler's mentality, though, right? You you look yeah, at someone, you size him up, and you say, "I could do something special with this guy in the ring." I want to. I want to take the risk and get beat, but I want to do it. It's fun, man. It's it's. I don't know. It's fun, man. Like you get in front of a crowd and you, like, like it's funny. Like really, the 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 stiffest matches that I've had are ones where I've worked with people that I like. Cause it's just like, you're just out there having fun and it's like, Oh, you got me. And I'm like, oh, okay, then I'll get you, I'll give you a receipt and things like that. So, um, yeah, like, I don't know. It's like that, that kind of, uh, that hard hitting style and that kind of things like that. Like that's, I don't know. That's, that's just wrestling at its best in my opinion. And I just, I, I find it and I find I have a lot of fun doing it, you know? Absolutely. I mean, the ground game is is something that a lot of wrestlers don't really do. A lot of times now, the matches involve brute force, speed, high-flying, high-risk, high-reward-type moves. Um, it's very rare that you see a match like Daniel Bryan and Drew, and Drew Gulak. And that was a match that I myself enjoyed as well because it was something out of the norm. Mm. It was something different. It was old school. Well, yeah, and a lot exactly. Of times you and see that. It's, um, it, it's funny because, like, it, it's only called it's called professional wrestling and there's just so many guys now that just actually don't know how to wrestle it's kind of a, it's kind of an interesting rib now but um um yeah like i mean at the same time like like you said it's like um the the common style is that kind of high risk fast pace 
so then I think the question you have to ask yourself, if you are a wrestler, it's like, well, how am I going to stand out? You know? So like, if I come in and I'm, I'm going to be really methodical and I'm going to tell a story and I'm going to work a body part and things like that. That's how really I stand out. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I lost, so, I lost you there for a second. Oh, oh, did you do it? We had to do it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you said you probably said something awesome, and the audio just went dead for about 15 seconds there. Oh, shit. So, yeah, let's start. So, we mentioned that, um, we mentioned that the high flying, the high risk, high reward, and you mentioned it's kind of a jab nowadays because a lot of wrestlers do all that kind of stuff, but a lot of them don't know how to wrestle. Yeah, well, yeah, because like, um, sorry, the the like, the, the, everyone's called a professional wrestler, but then they actually don't know how to wrestle, you know. And like you mentioned, the it's it's kind of this uh, this fast-paced, high-flying style that's pretty common now. Um, so the thing is, if you are going to be a wrestler, it's always about standing out. So you need to ask yourself, if this is what everyone's doing, then how am I going to stand out? So a way to do that is um, is to go out there and learn how to grapple and and uh work maybe a little bit of a slower pace but work a body part and tell a story in that way and then in that sense like if you get on a card and there's you know six matches and everybody's out there you know jumping off the top rope and doing dives to the outside and then but then it's like well, there was that one match where those two guys just went in there and just beat the shit out of each other in the middle of the ring and it's like that's that's the one that stands out and that's the one that people remember you know I do. I do. And speaking of working a body part and telling a story, which again is, is another kind of lost art nowadays. Uh, if you had your choice to pick a body part, I mean, I've talked to a few wrestlers. I've asked a few this question, but because you, you yourself are a true grappler, I mean, what do you take away first from an opponent? Do you take away the arms or do you take away the legs? <laughs> it's, uh, it, it depends. It depends on everything. It depends on what the opponent can do. It's, uh, if he's a bigger guy, I probably work the legs and try to get him off his feet and uh, get him down to my size. And but uh, at the same time, um, I do a lot of wicked arm submissions. So like maybe if I want to work the arm, um, that's not a bad strategy either. So it, it it really it really just depends on the opponent I'm with and what their strengths and weaknesses are and how I can game plan from there. And do you? I mean, a lot of people know KFAB is all broken and stuff like that. Uh, what I what, one thing I have noticed about battle arts is that you guys do it in an old school way as well, where there's not really a producer. I believe mm -hmm. you guys work the matches somewhat, maybe pre-plan a few spots, but for the most part, you're working the matches in the ring like it was once done. Mm -hmm. Do you do you pride yourself on doing it like it was once done, or have you ever been on shows where you do have a booker, where you do have a promoter that says, "I need you to go here, here, and here"? How you get there is this way, this way, this way, or how you get there is I don't care, just get to these spots when I need you to get to them. Yeah, like I feel like um, I feel like in a lot of ways that's a lost art too, because we're we're supposed to be we're called you know use the term workers, and it's like if you if you if you pre-plan you know, A to Z, the entire match, how do you know it's going to get over with the crowd? You know? So like really, I find, I find the longer I wrestle, the less I plan because you just, you just go out there and even like, you can have your finish and know what you, the, what the, what the result of the match is going to be, but you really don't know what exactly the crowd's going to bite on. And when you go out there and you feel it and you're able to work with the crowd um, I feel like the matches are just really that much better. 
And do you sometimes find yourself, I mean, it's probably, this is probably a redundant question, so excuse my ignorance, but do you find yourself waiting for that reaction to see which way you need to maneuver? Or do you find yourself working towards the reaction? It, I mean, it, it, it's both. It's both. Because um, in some ways, like, you might you might uh, set something up in the beginning of the match and you know you're going to pay it off at the end. So really you're building towards that end result where you're going to get that big reaction. But um, and then in a lot of ways, sometimes um, you might call an audible and, and change, you know, because like because maybe what we had planned isn't isn't going to work for this crowd because they're not they're not biting. So let's let's change into something else. So um being adaptable and um having different things in your toolbox is definitely uh uh better for you in the long run for sure absolutely i think when i think when you can maneuver a story into the way you need the story to go to i think that's the best selling feature of any true performer yeah that and and like in any show like, like yeah like you always have your your result and you might even have like your 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 overall story that you want to tell but how you get there it really kind of just depends on what the crowd's going to give you, you know, and that that's, I think that's really the coolest thing about wrestling. There's really not another entertainment genre that's like it, you know, in that sense. No, there isn't. There really isn't a genre. I mean, you can watch any show on television and from the first episode of that season to the last episode, that story is supposed to go that way. It's not going to change. Exactly. It's not going to alter. The only way it will is if a performer uh, either gets fired from the show for doing something bad or ends up yeah. passing away then the story will evolve and change. But other than that, it's pretty much scripted and it's pretty much planned out. But now in terms of you know yourself and the way you handle yourself in the ring, I wanna flip now and I wanna move towards character development because mm -hmm. Mr. Marvelous, I see a lot. I see a lot of William Regal. I see yeah. a lot of uh, Ric Flair. I see a lot yeah. of uh, the old school graphics. So you got your Chris Benoit, you got your Lance Storm, you got Santino because Santino is no slouch as well. He's got the judo background, so grappling's yeah. his blood. I see a lot of those mixed bags. How the hell did you incorporate the, the those five little, I guess you wanted to say, uh, inspirations <laughs> and put them all together to come up with Mr. Marvelous? Because when you shun me away and the way you raised your chin and stuff, I'm like, oh, this motherfucker is William Regal. Right now he's fucking <laughs> He's literally William Regal. All I see is that smug, arrogant face. And you know what? You got the chin line for it. That if I was an <sighs> 80s old school wrestling fan with a mullet, I'd reach over and try to slap it. I would. I would. I'd reach over yeah. and try to slap it. Well, you know what? Like, you, you you, literally said exactly what my thinking was that. It's like, every, like, I don't know. God gave me this face. And everyone's like, you look like a dick. And it's like, okay, well, like, I don't know. This is my face. So, so it's like, so it's like, I don't know. Let's just go with it then. So, um, I mean, usually, usually I work heel um, just because, um, like, I'll, I'll, I'll have more control of the match. And that's just, and, maybe maybe i'm more experienced or something like that but yeah like that's basically it it's like i have this jawline and like i look like a dick so it's like okay well let's just go with it let's just uh let's just be an 80s heel and um you know like i train a lot of the grappling just because that's just what i like to do so it's like i'm just gonna go out there and i'm just gonna beat the shit out of guys that's it so yeah like that's that that's pretty much it and it's character is always something that i'm always trying to flesh out because um, like we mentioned earlier, um, really the, the, the take home points of, of any entertainment genre is the characters and the stories that you can tell with them, you know? 
Absolutely, one hundred percent. And even one thing I even liked the most is a lot of times when a character, when a when a wrestler's in the audience there, and there's merch they're selling or anything like that, mm-hmm. you were selling some pictures and bracelets and stuff like that. And my daughter walked over. We bought a picture and a bracelet, and then you you uh, we asked if we could take a photo, and you did. And he took a photo with her. And even in the photo, it was much like an MJF style. You didn't flip her off. I'm not going that way. <laughs> but you played the character perfectly. In the photo, you had your hand pointed at her with your face and your eyeball raised like, why am I here? Why am I wasting my time with this pubescent person? Man, right? that's, that's, that's why the fans pay money to come to the shows. They pay to suspend their disbelief and interact with these larger-than-life characters, you know? Um, but like, like case in point, it's like, so a fan goes up to, uh, get a picture with MJF, they should get MJF. So he flips the bird to the kid. Like, even like you come up to me with your daughter, like, I'm not going to be nice to her. Like I was, I was just the piece of shit on stage. Like I'm going to be a piece of shit now. Like that's, that's, that's the suspension of disbelief. And that's what the fans really want to engage in, you know, it's, um, it's another lost art though, right? I mean, it's really thick. Yeah, like, it and, and it's like, um, you know, kayfabe's obviously broken and, like, the toothpaste is out of the tube, but it's like, we don't necessarily need to go back to making everyone think that it's real, but we really just need to hook them on that 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 shade. We need, we need to cast that shade of doubt. It's like, maybe this guy really is a dick. And like, like what he's doing right now, I don't like, and I'm going to let him know that I don't like it. And that's just, that's, that's exactly it. It's like, if, if I, if I, if I go up in a match and, and I'm a dick and then your daughter comes up to me and I'm all happy and nice, it's like, okay, like what, okay. So he's a, he's a dick up there, but you know, over here he's okay. It's like, no, like I'm, I'm a dick. I'm going to be a dick. And then when you come back for the next show, you're going to see this dick come up, up on stage. And you're like, this guy, he, I, my daughter went up for a photo and he was a complete dick to her. Like, I, fuck this guy. You know, that's, that's what it is. That's, that's what the fans pay money to engage in. You're right. And you know what? It's, I applaud somebody as young as yourself with a lot of years ahead of you uh, to recognize that early on, much like MJF. Because I think bringing that little bit of kayfabe back is almost it, it, it's it's a great time to be a fan. I mean, not right now with everything going on in the world, but these last couple of years in general, the resurgence in pro wrestling, uh, the amount of you yeah. know uh, of it available out there from independent pro wrestling TV to all the streaming services, it's a great time to be a fan, and it's a great yeah. time to be involved in the business. But even like there's that saying where it's like the UFC is doing pro wrestling better than pro wrestling. You look at what what they do. Basically, what they do is they get two guys. They may or may not involve a personal issue and they just get them on stage and they just talk shit to each other. You know, and then like the the people watching it, it's like, well, these two guys are mad. They're going to go in there and they're going to beat the shit out of each other. And like that's 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 what it is, you know, Um and committing to that, I feel like, is is very important, not only um, from the wrestlers that are performing it, but also um, just to put that product out there, because um, it it just it makes it makes everything better, you know, when when the fans can lose themselves in 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 wrestling like that, and in, in any in any entertainment genre, it's like, um, you know, like a Game of Thrones, for instance, right? Like I I, I love Game of Thrones, so. Like you watch it 
and your your favorite character dies you know like you you know you know full well that this is a tv show and it's fake but when your favorite character dies you're either upset or you're mad or whatever and it's that's getting that level of engagement just makes everything that much better right oh 100% my, my kids and i were watching the goonies yesterday and my favorite part is where sloth yells hey you guys and slides yeah, down yeah, the yeah. thing and and he, and he, you know, cuts everybody with his knife, beats the crap out of his brother, and throws his mother over the plank. And it gets me every time. Because when Chunk yeah. says, I love you, Sloth, you feel it, man. You feel it. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what it's about. It's, it's, it's hooking suspension of disbelief. And um, a lot of times when you see two guys, they get into a match, and then they go up on social media an hour later, how they're, they're all buddy-buddy. It's like, well, you're kind of hurting. You're hurting the credibility of the product, right? No, I, I agree with you 100%. And you're, you know what? Your wrestling IQ and your ability in the ring sets you very far apart from a lot of other guys I've seen in the scene. I have so much respect Thank for you. anybody that steps in the ring. But I think your IQ and your understanding of the business is on a very different playing field. And that's why I think whenever all this stuff goes away and the world kind of gets back to normal, whatever the new normal may be, um, I think that your star will shine very, very bright. And I hope... Just to let you know, right now, you are now officially a member of the Straight Talk family. Anytime oh, you want to come you. back on the show, I'd love to have you. Oh, wicked. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're in uh, we're in kind of a hectic time. I knew I had some uh, uh, some big things coming up. I was supposed to be down at uh, Mania Weekend doing some bookings, and, um, and I was supposed to be in England this summer. So hopefully things can work out because I'm excited to go. But, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. For, for Mania uh, Weekend, not so much. Stay, yeah. stay, stay safe and uh, uh, don't get uh, don't get sick. <laughs> That's the plan. Absolutely, absolutely. You as well, sir. You take care. Go enjoy the rest of your Sunday, whatever that may be. Chilling in front yeah, of the man. TV, watching some movies. I'm gonna go hang out with my kids a little bit more. But as always, it was an amazing pleasure to talk to you, and I hope we can do it again soon. Yeah, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, wash your hands. <laughs> you too. You too. Yeah. Thanks, okay. Sir. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Thanks, man. Take care. You too. Bye bye. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for another episode on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Also follow us on Facebook at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, and on Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. And for all our merchandise, you can search us on ProWrestlingTees.com. Oh.